Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of Bad Take Sports. Uh, you guys are lucky you're getting two episodes this week because I am bad at remembering to post episodes. Um, but it's just three of us today. It's got me, Luke. Dan. And Blair. So um, might be a little bit shorter episode than, than we normally do because there's only three opinions that we got to run through. And... There's just uh, well, we're getting a little honest. bit of preseason. And we're, in the, we're in the sports uh, twilight zone, kind of. Right. Soon, soon we'll be we'll be in the full swing of the NFL season. But yeah, yeah. So let's start out with uh, basketball because that's the furthest away from starting. So the Air Force, we'll, the easiest to get. So through. we will get through this real quick. Uh, okay, so um, NBA legend Bill Russell passed away uh, this last week, right? Was last week? It's two weeks ago. Well, closer um, to two weeks ago. Okay. Um, and we did touch on this a little bit last episode. Right. Uh, but the NBA has come out and said that they are now going to retire the number six across the NBA, uh, much like the number 42 for Jackie Robinson in baseball. Um, so yeah, just wanted to get you guys' thoughts and opinions on that. I to, you know, diminish anything, but it's kind Ooh. of a, it's what happens when your team is run by like a public board of trustees or whatever, right? Right. Disney chair. Right. <laughs> when Mickey Mouse is the chairman <laughs> of the board. Oh, <laughs> 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 the Supermax, yeah. give it to him. <laughs> you can't retire that number because we can't sell that jersey. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I. You know, the thing that stood out to me was, my, you know, my reaction was, A, that's just a very nice thing, and I have no negative thought about it, and that was, it's a nice uh, way to celebrate Bill Russell's impact, which we tried to discuss a little bit. I mean, it was before mm-hmm. my time to be able to say that I personally could speak to the weight of his, like, you know, cultural and civic impact on our society as it relates to you know, paving the way for African-American athletes in, in basketball and, and in our society as a whole. Uh, but nonetheless, I honestly, the thing that disappointed me was to hear that other people then took it and found a reason to drum up a kind of some angst about it in that, well, this is an honor that should have been given to him when he was alive. And, you know, finding a reason to kind of twist that with like a ever so slightly like racist or, you know, invocate a possible, like, racist angle as if people were kind of denying him that honor on purpose until after he died or something. And I just, I, I'm just not here for that. I, I just, I didn't hear any of those same people clamoring for this kind of award or, or recognition be given to Bill Russell a month before he died or a year before he died or in any of the previous I mean, any of the previous years you see him make public appearances or you hear people talk about him or bring up these debates where they always reference Bill Russell. And you know what I mean? Nobody Mm -hmm. ever stopped while they're doing their ring debates of who's the best of all time. I never heard anybody stop and make the argument that, oh, by the way, his jersey needed to be retired across the league. Right. Which is not to say that I'm I'm not downplaying the man or saying it shouldn't have happened. I'm just saying why why. I don't know why wait till the man is. It kind of, I feel like that just kind of happens with every celebrity and every athlete. Is that 
it you don't really recognize their greatness and impact until after they've passed. Right. And then, you know, when they start doing that, it's like the people who, you know, felt like they had an appreciation, you know, gatekeeping, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, they got butt hurt a little bit. And it's like, you know, it's it's going to happen every time. Well, yeah, I, I guess that's what I just don't. I, I feel like aren't we all adult enough to kind of know that so why beat ourselves up about it knowing like you said that it's happens a lot you know and it just i just found that disappointing watching esp having espn personalities kind of come out and make these arguments it's like just let's just be happy and celebrate it like but anyway All right. Uh, next, uh, our our favorite, uh, definitely not uh, a drama um, creator at all. Uh, Kevin Durant uh, had uh, doubled down, kind of on his on his trade stuff, uh, saying that it's either me or Steve Nash. Are, are you getting whiffs of uh, the uh, Darren Williams? Uh, uh, Oh my God! The coach. Jerry Sloan, Jerry, Jerry Sloan. Sloan beef yeah. is that? that that's I mean, kind of the vibe I'm getting. Except for this time, the owner comes out and he's like, "No, no, no, no! I'm sticking with my coach and my GM." See, well, because it included Joe, uh, Sean Marks, the GM right. as well. So he wants right. the coach and the GM fired. He he flew to was it Josiah flew to London or Kevin Durant flew to London? Well, they met in London. Uh, it was KD and James Harden. James went to a concert. Uh, what was his name? The the where there was a shooting at his last concert, and this was his first concert. Oh, since then, okay. I think did... Travis Scott. I think maybe. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and the, they they met there, and that's apparently where KD gave him that ultimatum. So. I feel I feel like Steve Nash was just sitting at home, you know, enjoying his off season, getting ready. And he's like, "Wait, what?" I mean, huh? This sends Katie a text, bro. I thought we were cool, bro. The fuck. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it, how it, it's not surprising in that this is just the next step in the saga we've been talking about all summer and throughout Katie's career as he tries to kind of orchestrate his way. But mm-hmm. it's just once again, it's. I, you cannot help but bring up the debate once again about kind of player empowerment and player movement versus kind of the extent that team ownership should be exerted over a player in the best interest of a franchise and a fan base. Right. I wish Sam was here to, you know, kind of spark a little more debate with that. Like I, I can't come away from it with any other opinion other than to, kind of feel bad for the Nets front office and fan base on this one. Like, I don't see, unless there's something that some words being said or some... Well, I mean, like, you've got one star who's only going to play half your games and who demanded a trade, but you couldn't figure anything out. So you're like, all right, we're we're keeping Kyrie cool. And then your other star who brought this other guy here to build this team, to make his own team, build his own legacy, is now two years into his massive contract and going, I want out. I'm having a bad time. Well, and and I guess to me it goes back to, you know, the front office showed faith in them by essentially fronting KD a year at full pay, knowing it was just going to be a rehab year. Like, Mm -hmm. to me, that shows a lot of good faith and a lot of willingness as an organization to work with you and help give you so i just can't understand and like and they still are trying to improve the team around the margins like they took a big swing on the james harden thing probably because they listened to the players that were just like 
let's make these 2K style trades of just do what right. we want. And so the Nets have tried that, and it's like, now what? They now they're they're until they do succeed in trading KD, they've got two unhappy stars, no draft picks, in cap hell, gave away their young talent for next to nothing. Like whoa, what whoa, if, whoa! They got Ben Simmons. What if, what if they had Jared Allen now? What if they had you know Rudy Gobert 0.9 that basically Jared Allen is? Are you kidding me? That's the exact thing they need. They're running Nick Claxton out there as like, are you kidding me? Like, you gave him away for nothing and had DeAndre Jordan, your boy, needing to get... But, like, that's... that's. I'm sorry. Like, if these players want to talk about, oh, we're these businessmen, then how about you have business acumen? Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> but, like, if you Laughs suck... In if you suck at it, then maybe then let the pros handle the front office stuff. How about that? Like, how right. about acknowledge what you're good at and what you're not? Because I bet you a lot of these guys in their side businesses wouldn't put up with an employee bending them over a barrel like this without, you know what I'm saying? When the shoe would be on the other foot, these guys that love to tout themselves as these and businessmen... Like Sam and I keep coming at you with... It, I, I, you know, it's world's smallest violin of these billionaires getting mm-hmm. squeezed by the millionaires. Like. But, but it's not. I, I don't really feel bad for them either. What I feel bad about is just like the organization as a whole working, trying to make a plan to build something for themselves and their fan base. Because whether mm-hmm. we like it or not, they have a right to try to operate it in such a way that is not only like the best way to win but also the most profitable because whether we like it or not if if we make it impossible for the organization to achieve either or both of those goals then we won't have professional basketball because there will be no incentive to do it nobody is interested in doing it just on a loss just because well i'm a billionaire now and i can afford to just hemorrhage money for fun so i'm just gonna own a team and just run it at like a freaking 200 million dollar loss every year just because because like at that point then we might as well have socialized sports and pay through it for our through our taxes then (laughs) just purely like why not like, the Green Bay Packers? Well, yeah, that's true. Actually, right. one of the best run franchises in all of America. <laughs> one of the you know <laughs> most the, treasured. I, and I don't feel bad for Joe the Sine. town of like, one hundred thousand people is able to. I you said know. it in the last episode. I just feel bad as a Nets fan. Like, what do I have to root for? Like, I thought I was going to have this super team. I never got to see it root really for the come Knicks. together. And now I'm going to be left with Ben Simmons and spare parts. And Ben Simmons is one of the most like absolutely unlikable players that's like ever stepped foot into the end. NBA in the past my lifetime I mean really a lot what do you want with well what's he gonna do not shoot like what's he gonna do when his teammates ask him hey you gonna play game four and then he leaves the group chat even if I don't blame him for any of that it's just he's shown no ability to improve he has a standoffish diva attitude he just doesn't seem like he enjoys basketball he doesn't seem like a particularly enjoyable teammate to be around he doesn't seem like he tries unless he has some personal beef basically like like oh rudy go people think rudy gobert is so great yeah i'll go have my career best game against him and then like never approach that ever again and it's just i i just i don't know he, he's clearly said enough stuff that he doesn't like basketball he he wishes he was a rugby player he wishes he was like a professional video gamer like you that's gonna lead your team Anyway, I don't know. Just I feel bad for the Nets fans. 
I, I just don't think this player empowerment stuff, it, it's a good idea when it, that's a power that's used responsibly. But when it's not, it just it, you don't have a right to screw over an organization as a whole just because you want what you want. And you can say, well, well I mean, basketball's like, different. Well, yeah, I, I but, feel like it, what did he, I mean, from an organizational standpoint, what did KD do to earn a trade? Like, what, what did he bring to the, to the city? But... I, yeah, I I don't know. I I just I just don't. I would personally feel, I guess, a little more loyalty to just give them one more year to try to see if the experiment and, can uh, fully right. work. Uh, last uh, last little bit for our uh, NBA segment. Just want to touch on uh, Paolo Banquero and uh, Dejounte Murray getting into it in a uh, in a rec league, and uh, he has now made himself the bad guy. The Hawks are uh, officially the heel of the East. I'm I'm calling it now. I mean, I, it just plays in with Trey Young. So uh huh. Yeah, they're the bad guys now, and uh, we're I'm gonna keep a close eye on this beef because uh, there's nothing else going on right now, and I have to keep on you know with something. <laughs> we need another Atlanta like Dirty Birds team. Right. Right. So. Okay. Uh, so let's move on to baseball. Got a couple of quick topics. These guys had to amp me up uh, to talk baseball this time because I was. Like we could just skip baseball. This it'd be fine. No one will. No one will care. It's, it's all right. It doesn't hurt at all. Um, but first, we'll talk about uh, Hall of Fame. I'm pretty sure he's in the Hall of Fame now as an announcer. Yeah, um, Vin Scully, uh, the longtime Dodgers announcer, passed away. Yeah, this one we just kind of had to skip over while we were away. Um, yeah, long was it sixty seven years? Like I believe in the, in the in overall as a Dodgers announcer. Um, you know, I I can't claim that it personally impacted me the same way it would impact a Dodgers fan. But I grew up consuming baseball as a radio fan primarily right. in the nineties, back when that was the the tail end of when that was still really a thing. And that's how I got into baseball was listening to Cubs games on WGN mm. on the radio on driving over to my grandma's two hours each way. You know, so I could really relate to why that would be a formative memory and like part of baseball culture and what got millions, literally millions of people into baseball. Right. <laughs> like, right. And I, I mean, still think, honestly, if I had to pick a sport to only listen on the radio for the rest of my life, it's going to be baseball because I feel like it translates the best on radio rather than any of the other sports. Well, because like so many things can happen all at once with any other sport where it's like someone who's, you know, uh, narrating and you're commentating on it. It's like they're going to have to take a second to break down. They have to analyze what mm -hmm. happened and break it down into words for you, whereas with baseball, it's, you know, this thing happened, and then there's maybe five to ten minutes in between when the next thing actually happens. So you have to, you have to like, tell, tell, tell stories in a smooth way yep. while still keeping up with all that. And that's why Vin Scully was so good. So much so that he didn't even have a partner in the booth with him for, like, the overwhelming majority mm -hmm. of all of that 67 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know he had, like, you know, guest people come to the booth for innings here or there. But he did not have a play like he did not have a secondary play-by-play -play man with him like every other team in every other format for anything else you will ever listen to which is just i mean that's hard to wrap my head around right, right. um so uh anyway you know he retired in uh, 2016 i believe so he at least got a few years in to kind of enjoy retirement a little bit 
you know, most his most famous calls were probably the Kirk Gibson home run in the 88 World right. Series. And then right. iconically, he was actually the first reporter, like sideline reporter running onto the field as Henry Aaron rounds the bases, breaking Babe Ruth's, you know, all time home run mm-hmm. record. It's like a quote-unquote young Vin Scully who's right. like, like 45 by right. then, but it still seems like ancient history, mm-hmm. you know. Anyway, he'll be missed. I don't think there will ever be an announcer with that much impact mm-hmm. ever again right. because of just the way right. media formats are now. Okay, um, <laughs> so I'm going to talk about some Padres stuff, but I'm going to start with the good stuff first. The good stuff is they were able to pull off the, the epic... Um, sign of a generational talent with Juan Soto and also got a very good first baseman in Josh Bell uh, in in the package too and he was just a, a throw-in guy and the, he's it's nice to see a first baseman that doesn't either pop out or ground to second base for a double play is is very nice to have that um, so that's the good stuff but <laughs> And then, and then, Fernando Tatis Jr. eighty-game suspension uh, for PEDs that was led to uh, because he took a medication for ringworm that had a certain drug in it that caused it to pop on the test because he didn't have his doctor because it was prescribed to him, but he didn't have his doctor check it against. The drugs. So it's not Which like again when you're that right. When you're that it's no excuse. Of, it's no excuse, but it's not like he was anabolic steroids to uh, to to crush you know seventy five home runs in a season. Um, but I did see a funny tweet about it and said this this says a lot about uh, I'm worried about uh, Tatis's legacy. The the only way he could possibly save it is if. He gains 200 pounds, moves to DH, and starts playing at Fenway. (laughs) (laughs) Then, Hall of Favor. But, yeah, so it's, it's, it's been rough for a Padres fan lately because it's a lot of, oh, my God, do you know how good we're going to be in a couple? What? And, and, and that, Next year? Awesome. And he, Sweet. And even as an outsider, I can see that it's been like that for the better part of a decade, I could argue. Because even going back to those like tail end of the like Adrian Gonzalez years, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, so then you guys go sign a freaking Matt Kemp and mm-hmm. be and uh, Justin Upton mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be this great thing yep. and that was like what 2015 or something mm-hmm. and then it just keeps moving on to the next big oh we got Craig Kimbrell and we got I, oh, I can't even remember all the money all the money you guys have wasted over the last like seven years I mean on, I feel like the the big last people. big name sign that worked out <laughs> Right, oh, was yeah. Manny Machado. Right, and because then, then it was, oh, we signed Eric Hosmer. And even people were scratching their head about that. But it was, yeah, around the same time as Machado. So people were mm. like, eh, whatever. you got a right-handed We've and a got hope. bat. It'll be fine. And then and we get and then we have a, pitchers. Right, and then we get, like, Chris got, Paddock coming out in his rookie season looking great. like an ace and then disappearing the right. next year because he only has two pitches. Right, same um, with Denilson Lamette, I yep, guess. Yep, yep. And yes. you Darvish comes over and is like right. good, but not as good he's, as he was with the Cubs. He's very good this year. Yeah. He's having a very good th- this year. And so is Joe Musgrove, who we also signed a five-year. Didn't you guys just trade for another pitcher? 
Uh, oh we yeah, got Josh Hader. Josh Hader, yes, and we got Who, one of the best closers. Which is in the weird league. that the brewer is something wrong with him. Like the brewers, I've heard people saying there's something messed up with him. And that's See, why I don't know. I thought it, I thought him. it was a, a money thing for him mm. because they didn't get much in return, and it opened up a little bit of cap for him, mm-hmm. or not cap, I guess, but a little bit of more money for them to to so, move around. But I don't I don't know. Like everything was looking great and I was I was stoked. I was excited. Right. Even with the getting swept by the Dodgers. Right. I was still I was like, cool, whatever. Fuck the Dodgers. We'll get them later. Um which we won't, but um then this and it was just like I can't I can't just get a nice thing. Well and, and then last year you guys supposedly had this runway to the playoffs all built for you with all your new fancy signings, and then it's just like injuries and a little bit of infighting and a late season collapse, and it's like, well, that's a wasted year. And now this Wait, a San Diego team with a late season collapse? Uh oh. Hmm. I know yeah. a thing or two about that. Who do you think started it first? So yeah, so I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. With the Padres. Yeah, if I was a diehard Padre fan, I would absolutely have that sinking feeling of like, geez, really, is this another waste of year like yeah. last year? Like, even if you don't collapse and end up under 500, it's still gonna feel like kind of an underwhelming. Anything season. like honestly, if we make wild card, if we make the playoffs, San Diego is gonna be like awesome, cool. Right. We made it. Even without our best player, yeah, we just signed a generational talent, so we should go a little bit further than this. But I think the city of San Diego getting in the wild card, or maybe even past that wild card round, like if they play the Cardinals, yeah. right, and they get past that wild card round, mm-hmm. they're like, cool, that is a win for this season. With what we've, the ups and downs that we've had and the signings, we'll get everyone back full strength next year. This is the first year manager as well. Um, cause they fired Tingler at the end of last season. Um, oh no, over the off season. Sorry. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm and, t- and Tatis needs to stop having these like two month long injuries right. for his age. Like right. that'd be cool. Like, yeah. That'd be awesome to have two 23 year old, like superstars, superstars one, one on from, your team one from each side of the plate. So your lineup's nice and right. Balanced. Right. Yeah. And then throwing Manny in there in the middle oh, of that. Yeah, that's an, a, that's a dream three, <laughs> oh. four five of like, you know, Manny, right. Manny Soto Tatis. Like, and then you've whatever. got guys like Cronenworth, who's like almost a, a double machine. Well, and cause it, cause the Dodgers lineup, when you really look at it, other than Betts, Freeman and Bellinger? Gavin Lux, like everybody else is like a big strikeout weight. Like yeah, like okay, Bellinger, cool, great, but he's hitting two ten. You know, like Max Muncie, yeah. he's hitting one eighty nine. I also like those, I'm not that scared right, of those right. guys. I'm not. Like, yeah, I'm not. I'm, I wouldn't say I was scared of them until. I again, I I don't know if it's a mentality thing, but when the Dodgers get into those big games. Hmm. Those guys like perform they, better. They just get yeah, you got, better, like, and it's just uh, like and they, stop. yeah. The Padres have lost seven of eight, I think, to the Dodgers in like mm. whatever. It, it's just I don't know, but you guys should be still better than everybody but the Mets and Dodgers right. on paper. Right. I mean, even the Mets, I think your offense is better even without Tatis. It's just you don't have that top. Well, you know, if Degrom and Scherzer are healthy and rolling, right. the Mets are going to be very difficult to deal with for anybody. Right. Um. Yeah. Um, yeah, Degrom, by the way, has literally just like ma- he's like mastered pitching to such mm-hmm. an extent that yeah. I don't understand it. He can just roll out of bed, miss as much time as he w- needs, and just be like, "Yeah, 102, perfectly located, just robotic 
sliders mm-hmm. that are just perfectly placed. Right. Uh, it's um, okay. Uh, I am going to just real quick run down the uh, the standings right now. I'll go with the it's pretty much the the lead or the um, division leaders, and then and then who's in the the wild card. So. For the AL right now, we have uh, the Yankees in the AL East. It's 72 and 42. Uh, and then we've got the AL Central. AL Central, sorry, is Cleveland at 61 and 53. Uh, two games back are the Brewers, so that one's still pretty close. Twins. Oh, I'm sorry, Twins. Um, and then with the best record in the American League, Ugh. the fucking Houston Astros yep. <laughs> at 75 and 41. Yeah, that's kind of a recent change. The Yankees have been holding that spot all year. The Astros <laughs> right. Have Fuck the Yankees. Reeled them yeah. in yeah. for the number one seed. Um, and then for the wild card, we have Toronto at 61 and 52 is in first uh, for the wild card. Uh, the Mariners, uh, 62 and 53. Uh, and then we've got Tampa Bay at 60 and 53 uh, in the third spot. Again, with the Twins right behind them. About a game and a half. I think Baltimore's technically Baltim- in it now too. Yes, Baltimore is also a game and a half back. Right, Ooh. it's real close. Yeah, they're both. Yeah, they're both a game and a half from that from that last last spot. And that's why none of those teams can get above ten games over five hundred because right. they all just beat each other up. Is this what the AFC is going to look like in the NFL this year? Maybe. Um, so in the National League, we have the league best, seventy nine and thirty four Los Angeles Dodgers, crazy. Uh, the seventy five and forty New York Mets, and the sixty three and fifty one St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, wild card, we have Atlanta at uh, seventy and forty six. Uh, and then we have the Padres at 65 and 52 and the Phillies <laughs> at yeah. sixty three and fifty one, which, you t- you tell I, me like two months into the season that the Phillies would be in the wild card race. Yeah, well, I, I mean, because the Phillies gonna Philly, they they kind of had that Mets problem where <laughs> the they gonna well they just kind of do the thing the Mets have done the last couple of years, or they just put a decent team together on paper and just eh, just doesn't gel, doesn't perform like it's supposed to. The same thing was happening this year, but actually one of our first episodes, I think maybe mm-hmm. our first or second episode, was We're during the Phillies' like seven or nine game winning streak the they Angels. had. Yeah, yeah, like they were in the middle of a streak back then, and they've kind of kept that going and went like on a 41-19 and 19 tear over a 60-game mm-hmm. span and kind of change uh, the, things the around. Only, the only win I can take out of that is uh, during that stretch – the, the Padres did take a few games uh, against them. They did also hit somebody with a pitch and with Bryce Harper and uh, mm, <laughs> set him yeah. out for a little bit. I but for, I forgot about that. I yeah. remember. I, I remember that. I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool. That, yeah. I'll take that. They were on a tear, and we were able to take two out of three. So cool. Right. Well, and it, and um, it's interesting because you know I think the Brewers actually have kind of given up on themselves a little bit. They they. I've been with the Cardinals flip-flopping for almost the whole year. This whole season, yeah. But after trading away Josh Hader, I just think there's no reason they should have been a seller at the deadline unless their front office knows what the rest of us do and that their offense isn't good enough. Right. And I think they just right. sell they can't. High. They can't ride Colton Wong right. to a... <laughs> they can't. To like suck up some more wins. Right, right. Okay. Um, 
There's more baseball that I want to talk, but we're uh, trying to keep it as a slim-lined episode. We'll talk uh, next week on the um, the Field of Dreams game because that was really cool, but I want to kind of spend more time on it. We should have picked better teams. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> Says the fan of the team. Right, good presentation. Um, all right, so now we're going to jump into the NFL. I'm going to go through – we have preseason week one. Uh, everything except one game that is currently on right now has has finished. So I will just start. I'm going to give some stat lines of some you know players that we know because <laughs> there might be a fourth string running back for the Jets that racked up a bunch of yards that we're not going to care about later on. So first game that we had was the New York Giants and the New England Patriots. Uh, Giants 23, Patriots 21. The Patriots offense looked particularly stunted and uh, struggling, so we'll right. see what happens there. Um, that one, uh, the, the passing leader for the Giants was uh, your boy Tyrod Taylor. Yeah! 13-21 uh, for 129 yards and a touchdown. Then the next game was the Ravens and Titans. Uh, Baltimore winning uh, twenty-three to ten. I think uh, uh, whoever the backup quarterback is, uh, Brett Huntley. No, for the uh, the Ravens. For the Ravens, Anthony uh, Brown was the was the leading passer in the game. Ten of fifteen for one hundred and seventeen yards. I'm not sure, but he looks he he's going full Lamar and has his exact same hairstyle as well. So. <laughs> Leading receiver for the Ravens was Shamar Bridges. Uh, four catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Next, we had the 49ers and the Packers. Uh, Trey Lance threw four passes. Um, Nate Sudfeld was the guy when we were watching the highlights trying to figure out who he was. He went 8 of 11 for 103 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jordan Love played uh, uh, pretty much uh, most of the first half. Um, he went uh, 13 for 24, 176 yards, two touchdowns, and three picks. And I think that explains why we now are hearing more and more reports how much Aaron Rodgers just loves, loves the guy. Well, well I mean, well to be fair, in the days. in the Rodgers Packer er, in the Rodgers uh, Favre exchange, it was pretty like Aaron Rodgers is kind of shitty. Why are we gonna, you know, all that noise? So like. And he didn't play well his first few games or in his first preseason game. So, like, you know, give, right. him, a, give him a chance. Um, another, another highlight is, uh, I can't remember if he was the first or second round draft pick for the 49ers. Uh, Jesus. <clears throat> Danny Gray, sorry, uh, went uh, two receptions for 99 yards and a touchdown. That's had, some uh, Randy Moss had, stats right there. He had two catches for almost 100 yards. He is, he is the speedster. Uh, that the Niners have drastically needed. Because Debo can run across the middle, he can drag linebackers, he can play running back. He's not going to, you know, tear past people, you know, on a deep route. That's just not, it's just not what he does. Um, so getting that guy to add um, to, like, with him and with Debo and Brando, Brandon Ayuk, who is also a pretty good uh, route runner, um, sh- showed, showed some... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it looked all right. Uh, so next we had Atlanta beating Detroit 27 to 23. Uh, Desmond Ritter went uh, 10 of 22 for 103 yards and two touchdowns. Name two franchises you feel worse for. He was also the leading rusher. <laughs> Six carries for 59 yards. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like the Lions are on the upswing and the Falcons are on the downswing, so I don't think this is indicative of anything. But I don't know. I haven't watched the new Hard Knocks with the Lions yet. It's hard not to root for Dan Campbell. Like, there's just, like... The the heart that he brings to that team, you just like, come on, Lions, do it, come on, please. Um, so next we had the Cleveland Browns, uh, twenty four, Jacksonville Jaguars thirteen. Uh, leading passer for Jacksonville is Trevor Lawrence, went six of twelve for ninety five yards and a touchdown. Uh, Travis Etienne Jr. nine carries for twenty three yards. Uh, Josh Jobs uh, for Cleveland went ten of thirteen for one hundred eight yards and a touchdown. Um, we did have, uh, two years yeah. um, and he handed the ball off a couple times and then went and sat down. Um, so there is that, uh, we had the Arizona Cardinals uh, defeat the Cincinnati Bengals 36 to 23. Uh, Blair had a fun, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Kyler Murray calls the uh, called the offensive plays in the fourth quarter for the Cardinals, and uh, from what I remember, it was not the best results. You know, because it might be kind of hard to call plays in the NFL. I don't know, right? Um, so next we have the New York Jets beat the Philadelphia Eagles twenty-four to twenty-one. Uh, leading rusher for the Eagles was Jason Huntley. He is 16 carries for 48 yards and a touchdown. After that, we had the Chiefs and the Bears. Um, uh, Bears winning 19 to 14. The only way and leading the Bears will ever beat the Chiefs for the Bears. God, Trevor Simeon, seven of 13 for 89 yards and two touchdowns. How little, how how not excited I am about the Bears' upcoming season was I that I looked at this box score myself and I was like, really, Trevor Simeon is on our team? <laughs> That's where he is? Normally, That's where he ended up? Because normally the reaction, I that disgust, bitter beer face I have is when I see that he's still on any other NFL team and I'm just grateful that it's not mine. But like now I'm, we're the team that has Trevor. Oh, jeez, man. That's... You know your team's a dumpster fire when you have like Trevor Simeon. Hey, hey, he Rose lit up the Chargers or... a couple times. All right. <laughs> oh, great. Um, okay. Uh, so next we have the Carolina Panthers beating the Washington Commanders twenty-three to twenty-one. Uh, Baker Mayfield went four of seven for forty-five yards. Sam Darnold went two of three for sixteen yards and a touchdown. Uh, Matt Coral played. He was one of nine for eleven yards. But the leading passer is P.J. Walker who went 10 of 19 for 136 yards. Come on, PJ, earn that second spot. PJ Walker comes in and takes everything. Um, but, yeah, but Mayfield, they said, looked looked all right, you know, for preseason. Right. Um, Bills, Colts, uh, the Buffalo won 27 to 24. Uh, Matt Barkley, remember him? Yeah. 18 to 24 for 224 yards and one interception. For I Buffalo. remember when that guy was getting toted as a uh, top five quarterback prospect coming out. Yep. Leading rusher for Buffalo was Zach Moss from University of Utah. So that's, that's always good to see for us, us Utah guys. Um, next, we have the Steelers and the Seahawks. Steelers winning 32 to 25. Uh, 
Our boy Locke up in Seattle was the leading horsecock lock. <laughs> was leading passer. Eleven of fifteen for 102 yards and two touchdowns. And Kenny Pickett for the Steelers went 13 of 15 for 95 yards and two touchdowns. Yet, interestingly, the Steelers have announced so far their QB one is actually. My guy, Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> he didn't look too bad. Hey, the Mitch Trubisky career well, redemption tour starts uh, now. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it probably next week, but I do think that would be a great spot for Jimmy G to go. Mm. Um, so next game, Dolphins and Buccaneers. Dolphins winning 26-24. to 24. Uh, Kyle Trask was the leading passer for the Buccaneers going 25 of 33 for 258 yards, a touchdown, and wait, an interception. Wait, is that is that Tom Brady's backup? Is that who's supposed to be behind? Mr. Trask. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm ready for post-Brady Buccaneers. <laughs> so, hey, he, he put up some good numbers in preseason. Uh, so we've got the next game was the Texans and the Saints. Texans winning 17 to 13. Uh, the leading passer for the Houston Texans was Jeff Driscoll, going uh, 16 to 26 for 165 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. A lot of throws for a preseason that is a game. A lot of throws. Yes, that's like Jordan Love amount of throws. <laughs> um, they don't give you that many throws unless they think you need them. Right. And you shouldn't want to need them that badly. Right. Um, next, uh, Cowboys lose to the Broncos, 17-7. to Leading passer of the uh, Cowboys is our guy, Ben DiNucci. Uh, Woo, 9 of 16 DiNucci. for 112 yards and a touchdown. And then over for Denver, we had Josh Johnson going uh, 16 of 23 for 172 yards and two touchdowns. Mm. And I believe we only had one more game, which was the the battle in Los Angeles, the Rams versus the Chargers, uh, where the Rams, uh, watching their highlights was actually pretty fun, watching Bryce Perkins, uh, who went seven, uh, 10, of, 10 of 17s for 133 yards and two touchdowns. Also, eight carries for 39 yards and a touchdown. The beautiful thing about this game is because, you know, uh, Brandon Staley coming from Sean McVay did, practices his same philosophy about playing his starters in the preseason, so there were no starters no, on either side of the ball. Because the leading passer for the Chargers was Easton Stick. Uh, 16 of 23 for 119 yards and an interception. Yeah. And the last game that's going on right now is the uh, Las Vegas Raiders are up 10 to 3 just before halftime. Um, yeah, Sean Mannion, uh, 7 to 10 for 73 yards uh, right now. And then we also got Jarrett Stidham, who is uh, 7 of 11 for 43 yards. So no- nothing, nothing exciting happening over there. But uh, yeah, so that's what we have for preseason. Um, okay, Blair. Give me mm. some hot takes. From week what give us some like ex, like some overreactions from preseason week 1. Uh Broncos uh, receiving room's going to fall apart. Russell Wilson is not going to have anyone to throw it to after Cortland Sutton's ACL tear. Nah, he's down a receiver. I'm ready to just root for the Broncos to fail. I'm ready for that. And the Patriots. I'm, re- I'm, ready, I'm ready to be heartbroken again by week five 
when the Patriots are two and three, and I'm like, yes, this is the year. Fuck you, Bill Belichick. And then December rolls around, and I'm like, wait, they're eleven and five. When did that shit happen? Yeah, yeah the, the same time every. I'm ready year. to be hurt again. Okay, Dan, you got any hot takes uh, from the hot takes or overreactions from preseason week one? The bear. My entire life's worth that being cheap isn't the way to build a successful franchise. Build me the argument that Roquan Smith isn't one of the top three, four, five, or top like five wor- at worst linebackers that deserve, based on his age and every. Like, you could argue, okay, yeah, Bobby Wagner has made more tackles. He's old, though. Like, Roquan Smith right. is still at the beginning. Like, he's like, what, 25? Yeah, like, he's at in the, his peak. Yeah, like. You can. It's not as guaranteed with football that a guy his position will last as long as Lance Briggs or Brian Urlach are fine. But even if you only got four or five more really good to great years out of him, like that's mm. pay him, give him what he wants. You've already sloughed off most of the other contracts. Anyway, going to come play in San Francisco. They still It'll haven't. They still haven't upgraded their <laughs> offensive line, despite that being a problem for the last uh, fifteen consecutive yeah, seasons. Yeah, we did just watch uh, Justin Fields get eaten. A and you times. knew that you needed to protect him. All you heard about in this offseason was, oh, the front office's top priority is making everything about developing Justin Fields. Okay, so where's his weapons? Nikhil Harry, who runs like he has a piano strapped to him? <laughs> well, by NFL Darnell standards. He's looking pretty good, though. Well, he's hurt now. So it didn't. And that, that really? Allen Robinson for Nikhil Harry. That, that was our trade off. And even that guy's hurt now. Jeez, dude. Like that. Anyway, so the only other hot take I would have is the Jaguars won't be last in their division, and I don't even know if that's a hot take. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so so for my hot take, um, I, I watched Jordan Love and uh, Trey Lance play, and my hot take is those two guys are going to have the exact same career. I like this at hot the take. End, at the end of their careers, they're either going to be equally good or equally as bad. I saw it was like watching the same player on like it was like he just ran off the field and changed uniforms and then ran on the field with the other offense. So it was Trey Lance had a couple I'd say he had some better throws overall. But I mean Jordan Love had some some good throws and I feel like if um he would have played longer, he would have like as much time as Jordan Love. I feel like the same mistakes would have been exploited for both of them. I think they have the same problems. I think they have the same upsides. I think I think they're almost the same player. Um, so yeah, that that's my hot take. I I'm I'm hoping that it's they're the same player and they're both really good. Right. That's what I'm hoping because I'm a 49ers fan. And my gut is telling me it's, it's the opposite. The opposite. Right, right. Not that's, lie. That's, no, no, no. My heart wants that, but my brain. What about even more heartbreaking? And they're like Philip Rivers and Tony Romo where they come in and they play for 20 years yeah. and don't do anything. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that could be it. That could be it too. And I'm just One saying, and done's in the a, playoffs. As a 49er fan, I have been Kaepernicked. Right. Because we had, it's it's the exact I've same thing. I've been Kaepernick before. I can't. I can't. I, have I can't PTSD. open myself up to this. Yeah, I have PTSD about this. Where you have a quarterback who gets kind of shit on, but he wins three out of four of his games. Alex Smith, Jimmy Garoppolo, kind of the same guy, right? Mm-hmm. They 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 make stupid mistakes, 
I'd say Garoppolo makes more stupid mistakes yeah, than Smith, Alex Smith. Smith was more known for pinpoint accuracy. Yeah, but not down the field. Right, exactly. His, his was to right. the tight end five yards. But hey, they had they both had a good win percentage. They both have good passing percentage. But it never got them to win in a Super Bowl. Right. Their arm talent wasn't, wasn't good there. enough and that you could rely on we it. We have a young, new, up and coming quarterback who's apparently so athletic and he's going to light everything up and he does for a year but that's just because people didn't have tape on him and Mm. then they're like oh we've got tape on you we just have to make Kaepernick stay in the pocket and throw because he will throw an interception right you got to make him try to analyze the defense and run out of time and you know think what you want about his 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 stances and stuff like that I was glad to see Kaepernick leave San Francisco because of his football ability did not fit in with the team. And I don't think, I think, do I think he is better than, say, Trevor Simeon? Probably. Do I think he's better than whoever is going to start for the Houston Texans? (laughs) Probably. Yeah. But do I think he was better than Alex Smith? No. Nope. I think he had a good season. I think he, he, like, he, he brought a lot of, a lot of shine to the to the organization, the the, the back and forth with uh, Kaepernick and Russell Wilson over those two seasons was pretty. It was pretty fun to watch. But we didn't. We we won as many Super Bowls with Alex Smith as we won with Colin Kaepernick. At the end of the day, that's what it was. Yep. So um, I, people will never not dream big on the like superior dynamic athlete right it, it's right. just like in baseball you get a top prospect that comes up tears up the right. league for a right, month right. or two big strong guy and then the next full season it's like and eh, pitchers have figured him out so, so but the Niners also went through this in the in the 90s and it ended up working out in their favor when they went from Montana to Steve Young, who was the athletic, you know, mm. yeah, more but I think there player. is, I, I think there is a bigger gap between oh, def- definitely, uh, definitely, Joe Montana and Alex Smith. Oh, definitely, but I'm, just, but is there the same talent gap between, say, Steve Young and Joe Montana as there was between Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick, mm. or or Garoppolo and Trey Lance? It's like we've been through this before. Yeah, I, one I, time it worked out. One time it went horribly, so I don't know what the situation is. Yeah, my, my guess is the gap was smaller between Young and Montana. Right, right. Because yeah. they brought him in. They were like, oh, yeah, Because that's, more, be that's more of a uh, thing of different styles as opposed to, like, literal talent gap. Right, right. right. Um, yeah, okay, uh, that's, that's all we got for this episode. I mean, it ended up being 15 minutes shorter than a, a, a normal episode, but uh, you'll get two this week, so... Go listen to episode seven. Come back. Check out episode eight. It'd be awesome. And uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully, with a full crew, and we can really dive into football. some more football. Dive into some more football. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Catch Ta- you next time. Take care.